0: How is streaming impacting the movie industry? What's the future of box office movies? And how has the movie industry changed in this time of technology? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. So I think we can all say that we're thankful for streaming services during lockdowns due to the coronavirus pandemic. But services like Netflix, HBO, and Amazon have been around long before we were shuttered in our homes and cuddled on our couches for a year. Streaming has consistently tried to find a way into the movie industry, fighting for its right. To be seen as a legitimate movie maker. And the shift to direct to consumer movies even prompted the Oscars to change their eligibility rules to qualify for the awards competition, with the Academy now allowing movies released online to participate. So, what does all of this mean for movies of the future? I am joined today by Kevin McCarthy, movie critic and Fox News contributor and entertainment reporter at Fox 5 in D.C. to help us answer these questions and put things into perspective. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Uh, Abby, it's an honor to be on, uh, honored to talk movies with you. And uh, obviously we're in a very interesting time right now. So hopefully we can dive into some questions that we're having in terms of where we're going with the industry for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. I love movies. So I'm incredibly jealous of your job, first of all. Um, But, you know, we've been seeing this shift from going to the theater to now staying at home, watching from our couches, even before the pandemic. By the way, I'm a huge proponent of going to the theater. I don't know about you, but I go with my family. It just so it's so fun. You have the movie popcorn and all of that. Um, but, you know, now we have streaming services. So what do you think was the turning point for streaming services?
1: Well, uh, first of all, the theatrical experience is everything to me. Um, right? my, wife, my wife and I met in a movie theater uh, a movie. My wife's a film critic as well. And movies are genuinely my life, um, you know, to a point where during like a major part of the pandemic last year in September and October, I went and saw Tenet four times in IMAX <laughs> uh, just because I missed the theatrical experience so much. Every film is made better in a theater in terms of sound picture, but also the communal experience. And, but I also, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I'm I, As I get older, I start to understand the other perspectives that people have about viewing experiences Um, and in terms of like streaming services, streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus, they give people the opportunity to watch content who may not live near movie theaters. Uh, I remember this film Roma came out a few years back and the lead star did this interview where she said that, you know, my family and I live three plus hours from the closest movie theater. So to have our movie on Netflix that we can watch at home, Is an amazing thing. It just gave me perspective because I mean, I've lived my whole life. I've lived five, 10 minutes from a movie theater. I have five movie theaters near my house right now that I could go to. So um, I'll always be a supporter of the theatrical experience. But to answer your question about when the shift happened, you know, it's interesting because leading up to the pandemic streaming was obviously a, a big deal i mean there i mean but that i think it was more tor- more in terms of tv shows i mean netflix and, and was producing massive budget films that were going to the platform but some of those films were getting theatrical releases prior to the platform or a week or two prior um but i think the pandemic in in all honesty and this is just you know me speaking generally um it pushed it pushed it to a, a, more, a more definitive uh, vibe in terms of where we're going to see the industry going in terms of a hybrid model mm. of theatrical and streaming. So I think the pandemic kind of forced what was inevitably already on its way here because in terms of people staying home, I mean, like theatrical movies that do really well are the superhero films, sequels and prequels, and those big, those big, massive uh, spectacle films are perfect for theaters because people love to go see them in theaters. What worries me is the smaller films and kind of how they're gonna uh, work in terms of theatrical and streaming. But yeah, to answer your question, I I, I, I believe it was a gradual. Shift over over the past uh, few years, but obviously the pandemic really really uh, changed everything. And and we can get into specifics because the theatrical window is really something that's a big question here now. Right. Uh, and pr- prior to the pandemic, it was ninety days. So prior to the pandemic, it was a ninety day exclusivity. So theaters and studios had this idea that. It would play in theaters exclusively for 90 days before going to any type of home entertainment. Now we're seeing and as you saw early in the pandemic with Universal, they signed that deal with AMC where it was going to be a 17 day theatrical window. Warner Brothers just did a 45. So we're these the theatrical window is shrinking. um, But I I, I don't think it's going anywhere. I just think it's Mm -hmm. going to be a smaller time frame.
0: Yeah, I just Googled what was the longest running uh, movie in theaters. Mm -hmm. I found E.T. was in theaters for over a year.
1: Oh, wow. Titanic,
0: Titanic, Star Wars, Back to the Future.
1: Yeah, those are. And and Titanic, I remember being in theaters for a year. So basically the deal was with with the 90 day exclusive window that basically gave theaters the the idea that they would run their film completely there before going to home entertainment. But films that you're mentioning, like E.T. and Titanic that in Star Wars, those had long legs. Yeah. Um, so I people kept going back, right? And Titanic got to a point where people were seeing it five, six, seven times. <laughs> so, so the studio is like, why 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 don't we just keep it in theaters and keep making money off of it titanic i believe now is the third highest grossing film of all time right behind avatar and i'm sorry avatar right behind avengers endgame and now avatar is still the number one one spot
0: you know subscriptions are the first thing that come to mind when i think about how these services may stay afloat um but i also think of box office numbers at the theater so what do streaming services do to make up for that
1: it's a great question. So let, let's look at the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad is really a good example of kind of where we are now, but in terms of money. And and so if you look at HBO Max and then you look at Disney Plus, so HBO Max, let's use Suicide Squad for that example. And then for, for Disney Plus, we'll use Black Widow. Um, so for those are two different streaming platforms, because on Disney Plus, when you watch Black Widow in there, you have to spend $30, $29.99 on top of your subscription mm-hmm. so for example uh if you want to watch black widow at home right now you have to spend 30 29.99 and then you basically it stays on your platform for as long as uh, uh, until the run runs out until it actually goes on the platform permanently so they're making money there and the cool thing about what well, the cool thing but what what studios are doing when you have your own platform like disney plus you're no longer splitting money with the theaters. So if you think about it from Disney's perspective, you know, they're making more money on their movie if it's on the platform than they are in the theaters. Now that, you know, that, 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 that statement right there could be, could be dissected any other way, because if you have a good theatrical run and you make a lot of money that way, it is possible you could make more money there. But in terms of Black Widow and Disney, they're making a lot of money on that platform. So, for example, when Black Widow hit theaters, it made eighty million in its opening weekend domestically, and then it did sixty million on the platform alone. Um, and obviously, that turned into that Scarlett Johansson lawsuit, yes. and that's a whole other thing. But in terms of HBO Max, this is where to, this gets into the, into your question more. HBO Max doesn't charge you any additional fee to watch the film on there. So, when you want to watch the Suicide Squad, You either go to the theater and pay for it, or if you have HBO Max at home, it's free with your subscription. So I have absolutely no idea how HBO Max or Warner Brothers is making money (laughs) on their platform other than getting people to subscribe, bringing a big movie to the platform like that. But as you saw, Suicide Squad this weekend, it didn't do well. It made like $27 million domestically. This is a film that reportedly cost $185 million to make from a production standpoint alone. Um, so it's, it's it's a dicey situation. I'm actually surprised that HBO Max doesn't charge because they, they could easily have put like a $20 or $30 fee on a film that big um, so as you know HBO Max and Warner Brothers the rest of the year they have day and date releases so every movie that's coming out as, as a Warner Brothers film this year Dune some of the biggest films are going to be also on HBO Max for no additional charge so that's an interesting thing and now with the Delta variant kind of ramping up and got that becoming a bigger deal people are either staying home and not going to the movies so I, I, it's a, it's a very interesting situation financially.
0: All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this.
1: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
0: I have to get your quick thoughts and you can go as in depth as you want on this, but with the whole Scarlett Johansson situation.
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting situation because this comes down to in my opinion, the wording of the contract. Um, and I don't necessarily, I haven't seen her contract, obviously, but, you know, in terms of the story, you know, you, the the assumption that I understand and what I gather from the story is that they promised Scarlett Johansson a theatrical release. Now, mm-hmm. from what I understand, the words, quote unquote, theatrical release are are the terms here that are really interesting to dissect because I don't believe the words exclusive we're in that. But if you think about when you when that contract was signed and I, I could be wrong on this, and I don't want to put any wrong information out there. Right. But I would I would assume that that contract was probably figured out prior to the pandemic. That movie was made prior to the pandemic. It was delayed due to the pandemic. So when you were releasing films at the time prior to the pandemic, it was assumed that theatrical was the exclusive. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there was there was no world where Black Widow was going to streaming prior to the pandemic on the same exact day that it was opening in theaters. That, that would be absurd to think about that in terms of a movie that large. So in terms of her, the lawsuit, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel Scarlett Johansson deserves the money that she is owed in, in, in terms of what's happening there. But the problem is I don't know the exact details of her contract and how they're going to use the wording for or against it. And, and it, that's why I find this whole situation interesting because if they, if they did promise a theatrical release, the word exclusive becomes a big deal here mm-hmm. because it went to Disney Plus premiere. Now, why this is a issue is a lot of actors make a lot of money on the back end of their movies. So, you know, famously, like you'll hear actors talk about maybe taking less money up front sometimes because they want percentage in the back end. And for a film like Black Widow to open in theaters but also on go to streaming at the same time, you know, if you make 60 million dollars on your platform that weekend, right? And then 80 million domestically. The 80 million domestically is where is where the percentage of her back end is coming from. So if that 60 million made on the platform wasn't there, how much more would it have made in theaters? And I think that's kind of the idea of the lawsuit. And I think Scarlett Johansson has every right to, to speak up about this. I mean, obviously, you know, and Disney responded. It's, it's a very interesting situation. I I just don't know enough about the actual contract details and the legality of it all. But from what I understand, it it comes down to the exclusivity right. uh, of a theatrical release. And, and when that deal was made, from what I can understand, you know we weren't in a situation where streaming would have would have even been a question mm-hmm. you know what i mean
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you talk about a movie like Black Widow. That's a really big release. But my mind also goes to some of the smaller movies um, that come out on Netflix that I come across. And I'm like, oh, wow, I don't think this movie probably would have ever come out in theaters, to be quite honest. But, um, you know, how, in your opinion, do you think offering movies on streaming services could help the movie industry? Or do you think it's just going to hurt the movie? I ha- what are your thoughts?
1: I think it comes down to big films versus smaller films. Mm-hmm. Um and like this, like, for example, it's so interesting because if you look at the box office like, like a couple months ago or even a month ago, Quiet Place Part 2 came out so strong in the box office. That was a theatrical-only release. That made like $48 million in its first three days. It's made $295 million worldwide since. Fast and Furious 9 has made $662 million worldwide in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so these large films are... Uh, to me, they will never go away from the theatrical window because you need those types of films. People want to go out and see it. Yeah, um, I think in terms of your question with like streaming platforms like Netflix, I, I think it's going to be the smaller independent or the smaller budgeted films that people might say, oh, I'd rather watch that at home. And I I get that. I mean, I I just I feel that all films should have a theatrical exclusivity. Um, But that's not the case. It's not the world we live in. Netflix is making films on their own. Hulu's making movies on their own. Disney, you know, it's it's happening. And that's kind of where we are right now. But in terms of like where we're going to be in the future. I think we're going to have a hybrid model. I think that that 90 day exclusive window is going to shrink and shrink and shrink right now. I think we're at 45 for a lot of the major studios. Um, But in terms of like the smaller films, I think streaming is going to be a good thing for that. I think um, for, for, for a filmmaker to make a movie and put it on the platform, then you don't have to deal with the theatrical release. I think those are things that are going to be talked about a lot. I just, I just want the theatrical exclusivity. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing, in my opinion, as a film fan, that really, really matters. I, I think that we that the audiences should, in my opinion, have, you know, if you think about it before the pandemic, you had to wait 90 days at least before you could watch your film at home, essentially, in, in, in most cases. So even during the pandemic, if you have a film come out and it's OK to push it exclusively even if it's for a couple weeks before going to streaming, because we've already been dealing with that delay for years and years prior. I mean, everyone already waited if they didn't want to go to the theater to see a movie, they waited until it came to home video. Right. So in, in, in this instance, still push your movie theatrically, give it an exclusive window of two, you know, maybe a month, month and a half, 45 days. And I think that's, I think that's a win-win for everybody. Yes, Kevin
0: preach. I think yeah. every single movie should come out in theaters without a doubt. Um, I agree. Well, you brought up a really good point about it coming out in theaters and HBO Max in this at the same time. So from um, again, like taking the taking the consumer experience out of the equation for that movie, what is the positive of it coming out on both at the same time and what are the negatives?
1: Well, uh, I think we'll use Dune because Dune's a really good example. Um, Dune is a film that I think, and I haven't seen it yet, but just based on what I know about it, it needs to be seen in theaters. The pros of it being released on day and date on HBO Max and in theaters obviously plays into the idea of where we are in the world right now because With Delta variant and COVID cases rising, it's to a point where, and that film's already been delayed, so they just want to get it out, right? And so, I mean, in my opinion, I think they should push it back again because Mm -hmm. that film deserves to be seen just theatrically, at least for the first two months or whatever of the release. But in terms of prose... It, it, it gives audiences the ability to watch the film if they really want to see it, but they don't feel safe going to the theater. And I and I get that. And I'm not trying to sit here on a high horse and say, you know, you got to go to the movie theaters. I mean, it comes down to safety, obviously, and, and it's a personal choice. And I get that people, not everybody feels safe to sit in the theater right now. So in terms of pros, that's the biggest pro is that is that it gives the consumer, the audience member, the option um, to see it. Uh, one way or the other
0: but why cons, sorry not to interrupt but why you're on pros? does it have any effect on the movie's budget or how much money it makes from releasing it at the same time
1: oh well that that's see to me that's the con okay so in turn i mean that film the budget on that film i, I don't want to miss misspeak on this i i would argue i think it's close to 200 million but i, I I'll, I'll double check that but dune is a massive Massive film. We're talking Zendaya, oh, wow. Timothy Chalamet, Josh Brolin, Jason Momoa, uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Huge cast. Um, the con is exactly what you just mentioned: is the financial aspect of it. Yeah. So, uh, not to get too much into the weeds, but Dune is a very specific, a specific uh, story, and here's why. So, Dune is a two-part story that it's a, it's based on a very big book. They film the first half of the story, and that's this movie coming out in October. So Denis Villeneuve didn't shoot the second half of the story yet. So the big thing is Denis wrote a great article in Variety recently about how the HBO Max deal, which is the current 2021 deal where the movies released in theaters and HBO Max on the same day. It, he basically called it out and said it's, it's I'm paraphrasing, but it's a horrible idea um, because his point was and I, I'm paraphrasing him um, was that with financial, you need to have a financial success, essentially, to want to make the second film. Right. I mean, in, in terms of fin- finances, if the film doesn't do well at the box office, how are they going to justify him going back and making the second half of the story? But Can't
0: you still get those numbers by people who watch it on HBO Max?
1: Well, that's the issue. Right. So look. At, so Suicide Squad, going back to Suicide Squad, that that's where that's where this, that's where this gets really interesting. Suicide Squad is the kind of movie that I would have thought would have been a big draw to HBO Max. Now, HBO Max did release some numbers on Sunday. Uh, We don't have any specific metrics, but it was the second most watched film that came out this year that had the day and date release of theaters and HBO Max on the same day. The number one is still Mortal Kombat. So Suicide Squad, which I thought would be a bigger film, didn't even touch, didn't even get, like super close to the mortal Kombat numbers, according to HBO max, it was still number two, but box office for that film was 27 million. We're talking about $185 million budget reportedly. That is not good. (laughs) Like that movie did not do well. Now in terms of financial on HBO max, to your question, how do you compute it? So HBO max doesn't charge a fee for their movie. They're just putting it on the platform and you, you have it with your subscription as opposed to Disney plus, where they charge you $30 for the film and then you keep it right on the Mm -hmm. platform. So that's an interesting thing because Dune is coming out on HBO max. How are they going to make a financial element to that and know how much they're making off of it? Because the only thing you can really, I guess in terms of money right now for HBO max is the subscription. How many subscriptions are they getting that weekend? Like, is there an uptick in subscriptions when Suicide Squad opens on Friday or when Dune opens on Friday. And we don't know those exact numbers yet. But, you know, that's the whole thing, is how can Dune be financially successful if it's coming out in theaters and for free, basically, at HBO Max? I also think...
0: sorry not to interrupt but I also think about ticket prices right I mean what it's been a while since movie. I mean it's I feel like it started at like ten dollars and then it all of a sudden was like seventeen dollars a piece to go to a movie but like if you're going with your whole family there's five people in my family so five times seventeen but if we're going to sit down and watch a movie on a streaming service together that's just one fee for all five of us
1: right so you bring up a really uh, great point and and I'll tell you a great story because this is really interesting so uh but just real fast on the dune thing like in terms of Dune being financially successful, I think that film needs to be theatrical exclusive. And it really worries me, uh, talking about cons, that if that film was released the way it's going to be released, which is the day and date on October 22nd on HBO Max and theaters, I, I don't know how well that's going to do in theaters if it's already playing on HBO Max and Suicide Squad didn't do well in theaters. Right. And that's, in my opinion, a film that would be more of a broader audience. Uh, Dune is a very nerdy niche type of film that they're trying to make towards the broader audience. Um, Now, going to your question about the families at home, this is a really interesting point, and this is kind of like going towards the cons and probably to Scarlett Johansson's point in terms of her lawsuit. So when when Black Widow was coming out, I was in studio at my local station here in the D.C. area, Fox five, and I was talking to one of my anchors who has three kids and a wife. So it's five people at home. And he had the option to see black widow in a theater, or he had the option to watch it at home for $30. Now, if you think about it from his perspective, five people in his family, like you just explained, Mm -hmm. they all have to buy a ticket, you know, upwards of 10 to $15 a ticket, whatever that pricing would be. And then they concessions, all those types of things. Right. Right. So if he can spend $30 to watch it at home with his family, that's in my opinion, that's kind of part of the problem, right? Because If you think about it from his perspective, yes, of course, it's it's financially it's it's a much better decision for him to do that. He doesn't have to risk um, any health issues going to a theater with covid and he also can watch it at home for cheaper that is, to me, where where the problem is going to going to be in terms of what movies make financially in theaters and whether or not that keeps the theatrical business going the way mm-hmm. it is. I mean, if, if, yeah. if, if you think about it, let's let's say let's say that, you know, he did go out that weekend, let's say Black Widow came out only theatrical and he was forced to bring all five people in his family to the theater to see it. That movie would have made a lot more money at the box office, but it, it, it settled for the 60 million at home. So you have a lot of families who, have, who are asking that exact same question. And in terms of like Dune, for example, you know, you don't even have to pay a fee. You just, yeah. you just, you're already subscribed to HBO max so, and this massive, you know, $200 million or whatever film is available for you right on your home screen. Why would you go to the theater? Now you and me, Abby, we're, you know, we are, we are people who love the theatrical experience, but with the pandemic, I think it's changed a lot of people's perspectives about leaving home. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people love being home now and just kind of like pressing play on Suicide Squad. My, my wife didn't see Squad in theaters. I went to see it early because I had to do interview the cast. And we were home on a Friday night and she's like, I really want to watch it. I'm like, well, we should see it in IMAX. And she's like, yeah, but I you know, think it's early tomorrow. And that decision process just lost uh, Warner Brothers 20 a So did ticket.
0: she? Did she like it better than you? Because you saw it in theaters, she saw it at home. How did it compare?
1: Well, the the home experience for that film is nowhere near the theatrical experience. And is I, that her just,
0: opinion I, as well?
1: Well, she didn't see it in theaters, and so like I mean, I will say we have a pretty good setup here I mean, in terms of like we're like we 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 have created like a little home theater, so I have a good sound system and a good TV, so like we're able to get a good experience, uh-huh. but that's not normal. Like not every person has a crazy setup. Like we're just, we're just film people. So we just, we just love to have that. Wait, I'm curious.
0: I'm curious because you're a movie critic and you said she's a movie critic as well. So um, how has that changed for movie critics? Do you guys see in order to, uh rate a film do you have to see it in theaters because you could imagine that if that's the case with suicide squad you loved it in theaters maybe she thought it was so-so because she saw it at home that could really change how a movie's reviewed
1: it's an interesting it's an interesting question and i think you know in terms of just being professional critics like we you know you have to it, it, at least for us you have to lock into the film and and just imagine you're in a theater. If I I have to watch a movie at home for a review or for an interview, I make a point to make it as theatrical as I can in terms of my mindset. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like for example, there's a lot of films coming out And like, like, for example, like sometimes I can't get to a theater to see every movie. It's because I'm doing like four or five press junkets a week. So you're
0: not required one way or another to see it. No, no,
1: no. I'm not required, but I will always I will always go theatrical. That will be always be my main point is to go theatrical. The, The pandemic has shifted things a little bit because I'm because when theaters were closed, I had to watch like screening links. I had just had to because theaters were closed. So, I mean, I I think it's an interesting, I I think it's interesting to make a point when you make, when you do the review, just, hey, I saw this at home or I saw it in a theater. It's all about your headspace too, right? I mean, you can go to a theater and not be in a great mood and and not be in the right headspace for the film that day. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's a good point you bring up, but my wife and I are very, very specific about the way we watch the film, and make sure we experience it the way the filmmakers intended.
0: We'll be back right after this. I have another question just kind of, as we have this conversation about what it's like to watch movies in the theater versus at home and you bring up Dune um, and Christopher Nolan, he, he sounds like he kind of pushes the boundaries. Like I'm going to make a movie for, you know, IMAX still. But do you think that streaming will change the type of content that's being made?
1: It's interesting because streaming like Netflix, for example, they're, they're pumping out $200 million action films. Like, like, you know, Michael Bay did a a massive action film for Netflix called six underground, which in my opinion should have been seen in theaters. <laughs> like that was a theatrical film. No question. That didn't even get a theatrical release. Um, so I think what, I think the point we're at now is that Netflix is just making films that like are making massive productions that are just going to streaming. So like, in terms of like quality and and it changing the way movies are made, I think Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino and, um, and Martin Scorsese and all all these filmmakers who are, you know, Irishman did was a Netflix movie for Scorsese, but it had a theatrical run prior to the Netflix release. Um, And I think that's just the way that these, these, these streaming platforms should be working. They should, if they're making a major film like the Irishman, for example, you give a two week or three week window theatrically and then you go to your streaming platform and then the audience has the capability of deciding that but in terms of of movies changing no, i think like christopher nolan and those filmmakers they're going to continue to fight i mean tenet did pretty surprisingly well and tenet came out in in i would argue in a in a big gigantic portion of the pandemic in september Mm -hmm. october of 2020 what we were, we were still in a bad spot. Um, and I think that movie still did well because it forced people to go to the theater who really wanted to see it. So I don't think movies will change like in terms of what we're going to be seeing. Cause Netflix is already making massive quote unquote theatrical films for their platform. Like I just saw a movie the other day called sweet girl with Jason Momoa that could have easily been a theatrical film. It, it, it felt like a theatrical film when I watched it, but it's a Netflix movie. Um, and so I, I think that Netflix is kind of in the mindset, I would argue, that they're just making films you know, like they normally would, and they just they just happen to come out on the streaming platform.
0: Right. I guess if you're getting that kind of budget still, you're going to oh, yeah. do with that budget what, what you would do I mean, if it came out in theaters.
1: Netflix just made, I believe, and uh, I could be wrong, I believe the most expensive film they've made yet. It's called Red Notice it has the rock, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot in it and it's a Netflix movie. <laughs> huh. I mean it's a it, it's a Netflix film that is going to stream on Netflix. I believe it cost over 250 million dollars to make it wow. something. Like Where
0: that. do they get that money? Is it kind of is the money raising process the same for a Netflix movie as it as it, you know, a box office movie?
1: It's a great question. I I I um I don't know the inner workings of Netflix's finances, but I but I I would I, I don't see why or how it would be that much different. I think you just it, it would just be in terms of rate. Uh, like Netflix, if you think of Netflix as a studio, like like Warner Brothers or Universal, just think of them as a studio. They are a streaming platform, but they're also a movie studio. So yeah, they they raise the finances. They have producers, executive producers, and writers and screenwriters and directors, and obviously bringing in the actors. I believe this is The Rock's first streaming film now jungle cruise had a theatrical and a disney plus premiere access so it wasn't made for streaming initially just Uh it just had the component on the same day so obviously the biggest star in the world the rock understands where we are in the business right now and made a 250 million dollar reported plus film whatever it was the budget uh, for Netflix with, with Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. And that is going to be a streaming film. What so, would
0: those actors potentially lose out on by it just going right to streaming and not coming out in theaters?
1: That's a great question. And I, and, I, and I would love to know the answer to that as well. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell you my assumption on that would be because because going back to the Scott Johansson thing, you know, the lawsuit there is coming out of the idea that the the box office receipts are lower than they would have been because Disney Plus also had the film. So that's the argument there, is that she could have made more money or definitely would have made more money on the box office receipts had the film just had an exclusive theatrical release. So going back to your question about about, um, how they make money, the actors make money on Netflix, since there's no box office or very minimal box office, they're probably just making a, a flat, massive fee. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it could be 20, 30 million dollars. I, I I have no idea. I, but I would argue if I'm The Rock and I'm the biggest star on the planet, give me 30 million to make this movie. That's probably why the why the budget was so high because Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot and The Rock yeah. can ask for that because if they're not making money on the back end with the box office, they're having to probably give it to them up front. That's that's my assumption. Uh, and that's how they're, and it's probably almost even like they're probably making a ton more money doing it this way. I don't know. It's crazy.
0: Wow, that's so interesting to think about. Um yeah. I, I just have two more quick questions for you. Sure. What do you think it'll take to get people back into the theaters? That's my first one. Let's start with that.
1: Yeah, and I also want to clarify because like we've covered so many topics. Um there's so much many moving parts to all of this. And it, you know, if anybody listening to this right now, if I got a fact wrong, um, uh. <laughs> I apologize. I mean, you should see. I mean, I know we don't have video, but these are my note. I have like, so many notes written down. There's so much to get into. Um, so apologies if anything was a little off because we're navigating uncharted territory totally. with, with all this news. It's changing daily. We'll cut you um, some slack. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like what what it takes to get back in the theater, it's an interesting thing because I don't know what it's going to take because I don't know people's threshold right now for for going to a theater i i feel like everyone is is either hesitant or wants to stay home or feels unsafe due to the new delta variant and covid elements like that um i think what it's going to take is a massive massive superhero film like an avengers movie Mm -hmm. or um or like a, a new Christopher Nolan film, or like it, there are certain filmmakers and certain types of films that people know they have to see in a the theater. Uh, but to answer your question about what it takes to get back in the theater, I actually don't know because right now everyone is in such a, a strange state of mind. And like this weekend, there are three films opening exclusively theatrically have no streaming component to them whatsoever. Ryan Reynolds is free guy. Don't breathe too. And then Jennifer Hudson and respect. I don't think I've, any of those films are going to do well. I think free guy I've read 15 to 20 million, which is not good compared to what it, what the budget was. That's my favorite movie of the year right now. And I, 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 love that movie but i don't know that people are are going to go out of their house to watch it um same thing with respect and same thing with don't breathe too which then poses the question should those films have had a streaming component should they have been day and date um and you know with suicide squad not doing well i don't think the box office is going to have a great recovery for a little while and i think The headlines are going to be is the theater business dead. And, you know, we keep seeing those headlines, which are, you know, very sad from a film fan's perspective. But I think we need something massive. We need like an Avengers level type of film. And Black Widow, unfortunately, wasn't on that scale, even though it was a large scale movie. And I liked Black Widow. I thought it was really well done. I thought Scott Johansson was great in it, but it didn't have. I mean, you know, if you think about it, 80 plus 60, it made 80 million domestically, 60 million at home. It's still I'm, I'm 140. That's not bad for an opening weekend in the middle of a pandemic. But it, it's it's you know, it's just, you know, we'll see where we where we end up.
0: Right. OK, I have to finish with this question because you are a movie critic and maybe this is putting you on the spot. But you know what, Kevin, I think we're friends now. I don't care if I put you on the spot. Um, I'm cool with it. Abby. Go ahead. <laughs> fantastic. What is your favorite movie of all time?
1: That's easy. Uh, it was Terminator 2: Judgment Day. So really, yeah. When I was eight years old, um, but Terminator 2 is the reason you're, I'm, you and I are talking right now. Terminator 2 changed my life. Terminator 2. I was eight years old. Um, when I was a kid, I was really into magic, and I, I always wanted to know how magicians did their tricks, like David Copperfield. Um, you know, magicians like that. Yeah. And I didn't realize until I was until I was eight when I watched Terminator 2. I was sitting on a couch in between my parents. And they were to the right and left of me. They went and saw it in a theater um, the like the week or two or a couple months prior to make sure it was okay for me to watch when it came out on VHS and <laughs> get Blockbuster. And the film plays and I'm watching it. And there's a scene where Robert Patrick, who plays T-1000, the liquid metal character, he comes up out of the ground uh, in the hospital and turns into the security officer who's who's also getting coffee. And he goes over to him and it's a crazy scene. But the special effects in that scene... I remember sitting there going, oh, my God, like that, like I need to like how the hell, excuse me, how the heck did he just do that? And James Cameron, the filmmaker, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. And it, and it, and, it, and it, that was the day that I said to myself, I want to know how films are made. So I need to somehow be into film in my life. Wow. In some Terminator 2. You know, it just turned, I think, 30 years old. Um, Happy birthday,
0: birthday to you because it's your favorite movie. That's pretty it cool. Yeah, <laughs> I love that
1: movie, but that's my favorite movie of all time. What's your favorite uh, movie of all time?
0: Um, How to lose a guy in 10 days and Sweet Home Alabama. I have a, a probably less refined taste than you
1: do. No, 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 no. no. First of all, the, the, those are great choices. My wife and I uh, love Sweet Home Alabama. Hell, um, lose a guy in ten days is an outstanding film. I, I am, I am a film critic, and I'm of the impression that all genres are equal. And I think, I think the problem with the way we the way we think of films these days, and it has been this way for a long time. I, I'm a big proponent that comedies and action films and horror films. Should be on the same level In terms of of, of the way we look at them In terms of Oscars
0: I agree I could seriously talk to you About movies all day long I (laughs) appreciate you coming on A very uh, fun topic And we now know a lot About streaming services And hopefully the movie industry Comes back in the sense That people start going To the theaters once again Maybe I'll take you And your wife out for a movie How's that?
1: That sounds awesome And I appreciate you Having me on your show (laughs)
0: All right, if you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about how streaming services have changed the movie industry. Number one. Kevin highlighted that as we see the growing popularity of streaming services, we're also seeing this balance of releasing strictly on the platform versus releasing it in theaters before sending it to a platform. The theater obviously offers a completely different experience than at home, and Kevin believes some movies that have gone straight to streaming should have been released in theaters first. Number two, while some platforms charge to watch a movie on top of your subscription, like Disney Plus did with Black Widow, it still raises the question that if you're paying, let's say, $30 for a movie with your family of five, how much money is being lost by those five people not buying an individual ticket at the theater? And number three, with box office movies, actors have been known to take less money up front because they know they'll make a lot of money on the back end of the movie's release. So Kevin predicts that since there's no box office the actors are most likely just making a flat, massive fee. If they're not making money on the back end in the box office, they're probably just asking for it up front. Thanks so much for listening to this episode about how streaming services have changed the movie industry. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed.